You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. Hey, welcome back to 101.9 High FM. I'm chatting today with uh, Daniel Eloff from legal firm Heritage Peace about um, the recent introduction, or should I say the presentation, of a bill that proposes to change the Referendum Act, allowing uh, premiers of provinces to host their own referendums. This could be a game changer in, in the South African political landscape and, and voting structure. Good afternoon, Donnie. I trust you're well. Hello, Rob. Fine. Thanks. Lovely to be here again. Fantastic. Always good to have you on, on the show and get some insight into legal matters and clear up misconceptions that tend to, tend to arise in, in the public space. So, um, you are somewhat of an expert on on referendums, well, in in my opinion. So, <laughs> tell us a bit more about the process of referendums and why we don't see more of them in in South Africa. Well, I, I think the most important thing to to start off with is it's it's not something that's been frequently used in in South Africa, um, and. It, it, I think the further difficulty at the moment is it's uh, referendums, just the plain idea of referendums has become highly politicized. Um, you know, as, as many things tend to do recently, uh, I, I think if you tell people 20 years ago that masks would become a very political issue, they'd laugh at you. But here we sit and, you know, everything around us has become politics. Uh, and, and so too, the same's happened with, with referendums. What, what's interesting now is, and, and this is why it's so important, uh, to, to have people who try to sort of push wacky ideas, which is because, um, the more the, the, those ideas are pushed, the less wacky they become. A, a good friend of mine, Mark Oppenheimer, who's also been on, on the station quite frequently, always says that he really enjoys the people who are sort of out there with their opinions and ideology because they make the rest of us look more sane. Um, <laughs> and, and, and this is sort of what's happened with, with referendums. What started out as sort of a fringe movement, what started out as people down in the Western Cape and a bit in KwaZulu-Natal saying, while they want more autonomy, they want more federalization, they want more freedom. Um, at the, at, you know, 10 years ago, they were in a minority, they were a fringe group. And now we're seeing a big party like the Democratic Alliance pushing for the very same thing because the Overton window has been broadened so far, because the ideas have become more mainstream. Um, so, so, yeah, here, here we sit. And to, to, so perhaps to get back to your question regarding uh, the validity or, or whether or not a referendum in South Africa will happen is I always tell people and I've, I've had many clients, especially some of the Cape independence people who've, who've approached our firm asking for legal advice is I always tell them the question of referendums isn't a legal one. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a political issue. Uh, you're not going to win the right to hold a referendum through the courts because the courts are bound by our our, our laws and our legislation, you'll have to first start with politics. So you'll have to start with the people and the representatives. And, uh, yeah, the, the move by the DA, I think, is a step in the right direction in the end. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's a, it's fascinating that we haven't seen this kind of initiative from, from other parties, in particular, uh, smaller parties. It, it always seems to come from the official opposition, which in itself presents, presents problems as mm. they, you know, the, the, when it comes to voting on these things in National Assembly or National Council of Provinces, they generally get, get shot down simply because it's the, the official opposition presenting it. But from, from what I can judge, um, the idea of a referendum sits well with pretty much every political party. And we've, we've seen, especially on this bill, we've seen endorsement from private groups, from, um, other political parties, uh, with Freedom Front Plus has, has endorsed it. The K party has endorsed it and a few others have also in, endorsed this, this initiative. So it's, it seems there's an appetite for it in the political space and, and in the public space. And um, what, what possible dangers could, could there be in, in say, a, a province holding its, its own independent referendum? I mean, they could literally, uh, send out any matter to, mm. to the public and, and get them to vote on anything. Um, yes. not just the extreme such as secession, but on, yes. on, on simple matters like health matters. Yes. How does this, how would this pose problems with national legislation? Well, I, I think the, the most important thing to, to remember is it, it doesn't completely align with our democratic dispensation. It's, it's, you know, we, we're not a country that, that's governed that way. We're not governed by, um, the decisions of a majority. South Africa, uh, still has quite a strong element of what we refer to in the law as the counter-majoritarian um, um, principle, where you, you sort of try to protect against the tyranny of the majority. And, and that's perhaps the one concern we, we should have with referendums is, you know, it, it's, it's great when the referendum goes in your favor, but it's not always as great uh, to be governed by, by the majority. So that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. And um, regarding what's what's sort of stopping provinces from doing this more frequently is, well, in the first place, not all provincial constitutions or legislation allows premiers to call referendums. The, the Western Cape, interestingly enough, they have their own constitution. And in terms of sections uh, 37.2, I if I recall correctly, if uh, the premier of the Western Cape is allowed to call referendums, and there are many that argue that our national constitution provides the same power to hold referendums uh, on provincial level in, in terms of section 127, um, I, I, the, the difficulty comes in when the, the subject matter of the referendum isn't just, well, should we, you know, raise taxes on liquor or things like that, but when the very subject matter sort of changes the constitutional nature or the relationship between the province and the rest of South Africa and the national government. Um, so, so, the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a mouthful and, and there's so much to say about this topic. Um, but, but I think what, what's great about it, broadly speaking, is it's shaking up South Africa. It's, 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 mm. you know, probing and it's asking questions. Um, and it, in the end, it sort of, you know, just, uh, it chips away uh, at the ANC's power, uh, trying to devolve power as far down to the people as possible. And I, I think a referendum to secede from a provincial level is like it's probably the most unlikely 
uh, consequence or result of, of this conversation, but a more likely and perhaps more achievable consequence might be that through pushing for referendums, through pushing for succession, through referendums, we might see a devolution of power, we might see more federalization, uh, and, and we might see a different sort of structure to South Africa. No doubt, no doubt, and that's I think that is possibly where where this is headed, and um, this is going to create conflict with the ANC's uh, policy to centralise all all governments and and take control from a central position, whereas a referendum effectively decentralises, as as you say, and creates a more uh, federal environment or yes. uh, Canton environment, similar to to other systems out there, but. And that, from that point of view, I think there's going to be some considerable pushback from from certain sectors of of the ANC, which mm-hmm. want to see that that centralisation of of power. But then, is a is a referendum uh, legally or constitutionally binding? So if it, if the if they say a province holds a referendum to discuss whatever matter, and the public votes in a certain favour, is government obliged to follow follow that that outcome? Yes, so, so it's, it's probably the, the biggest burning question when it comes to, to referendums. And as I sort of alluded to earlier is the, the problem with specifically a referendum on, on secession and, and the Western Cape itself is it, it changes the nature and the structure of South Africa. The, the constitution starts off by saying we are a unitary Republic. We, we, South Africa is comprised of nine provinces. Um, it's, it's one sovereign democratic state and a referendum, the question will then become, well, does the result of a referendum override these founding provisions of the country? I mean, it's literally section one of the constitution, which says South Africa is a republic, one sovereign democratic state founded on a variety of, of values. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the difficulty is that uh, allowing for a referendum through Section 127 of the Constitution, which is the provision of the Constitution that allows, or it, it, it talks about the powers and functions of premiers. Um, and there it says, well, the, the premier has the power to call a referendum in uh, the province, but then it sort of has a caveat, which is, which is in accordance with national legislation. Uh-huh. Um, so so it, it's sort of tied to that domain. It's tied to the the sort of, I almost want to say, the, the, the lines that have already been predetermined and drawn within the Constitution. Mm-hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. And then, so, so in other words, the, it becomes nothing more than, as you said right at the beginning of the conversation, a political tool. And... Yes. Perhaps in, in, in a good way, because you can let the voice of the public or will of the public be, be publicly known and, and recorded in an official format. However, um, when it comes to acting on that, it's perhaps is, is, is a bit, uh, let's say pie in the sky, uh, and won't actually, won't actually happen. However, it, as we've seen lately, public pressure does create a significant uh, impact in in government decisions, so I wouldn't discount a, a a referendum as being totally meaningless because it definitely can sway uh, the political field. After all, yes. political parties should be listening to to the will of the public and and acting yes. in in that way if they want to remain in power. So, 
there from that point we we definitely do have some some power with with referendums in 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 your opinion do you think um i don't know if you've ever had a chance to look to look at this proposed bill and if it's if it carries any weight or if it has any shortfalls um but what what would you propose as being the most important point in an, an amendment to the referendums act well, uh, 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 putting you on the spot, the other. No, no. Well, I'm happy to be put on the spot. The, the point is, it's it's not really a, a legal question here, which is the the work that I'm used to do on a day to day basis. This is more of a a personal opinion on on you know the the what what powers way should a referendum on a provincial or national level you know have in South Africa, and and I I, I understand people's inclination to want more referendums because we feel government's unaccountable, we feel our voices aren't heard, we feel that there's a disconnect between the people and the people governing us. And and, and I think that's why people naturally, you know, would like an amendment to the Referendum Act. Um, my, my biggest concern really does boil down to not wanting to be governed by, uh, uh, you know, the majority. Um, and, and, and that's why I think, especially if you look in other countries, for example, in the UK, you know, referendums were, are held on, on very crucial, massive, big, uh, questions in, in the end, but they're still subject to parliament in the end, the actual representatives of the people, um, you know, confirming the referendum. Parliament still had to confirm Brexit after the people of the UK voted in favor of, of Brexit. And, and I think that's why we need to, while we have the discussion about referendums, we need to also have a discussion about um, uh, uh, election reform, electoral reform in, in South Africa, because uh, the, the, the two, you know, walk hand in hand. And uh, you, you have to address the one if you want to address the other. So I would welcome a change to the referendums. I'd welcome a change to the constitution that allows for more power to, to the people so that, you know, power is devolved as far down as possible. But it, it definitely should be subjected to some sort of counter majoritarian principle or, or requirement. We, we don't want to see, you know, South Africa being governed by the majority. Uh, you want South Africa governed by an agreed, you know, framework of of representation. Um, so, so that's in a nutshell how I'd I'd like to approach it. Uh, the one thing that I think is would be great with the amendment to the referendums act, and this is specifically what the DA is also trying to do with their private members bill, is to get more competencies on the provincial level. The constitution allows for certain issues to be in the discretion of provincial government, you know, health and, and schooling, education, things like that. And, and I think there's a lot of room to take more power away from national government and rather put that in, um, in, in the provincial government's hands because what, what it does is it, it creates this, you know, really wonderful, uh, and I would argue healthy competition between provinces, you know, where, where provinces, where the better they govern, the better people they attract, the better the province does in the end. We already see it to a certain extent with, with the Western Cape and uh, also a bit in, in Gauteng. People flock to these provinces because the provinces are run better. Um, and if you, you give these provinces even more power and they become even better, it, it will, I think, spur other provinces to you know change direction, try to 
rectify the situation because, you know, you can't be, uh, we, we can't have all provinces in South Africa being like the Northern Cape where only, uh, you know, half a dozen people live there. And you really do need uh, that, that healthy competition amongst the provinces. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you raised a couple of interesting points there. And I totally agree with you. Competition is always good. And it does, does promote a, an increase in, in the average levels of, of effectiveness. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen major problems. And even from the Western Cape, when things go wrong, the blame tends to be shifted towards national uh, for inadequate policy, especially around issues like policing and, and so on. Oh, we can't, we can't do that. That's not our problem. It's a problem of national, national parliament. So perhaps this amendment will, will address that and create more accountability on a, on a provincial level. But we're going to take a quick break um, right after we, we learn that. Um. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. We're having a fantastic chat on the effectiveness of referendums. And you know, is it a valid valid a part of party participation? Does it create impact? Will it change the political landscape? Well, we seem to think it might do in certain cases, but perhaps not in in others. And we're obviously chatting with uh, Donny Eloff from legal firm Pertus Peace. And Donny, as we were chatting before before the break, there, what what in your opinion is the most effective part of public participation. Uh, referendums are fantastic. They certainly get a lot of uh, talk and attention, but are, are they effective as other forms? Uh, definitely, Mark, and uh, definitely, Rob. I mean, the, the public participation is such a crucial part of our participatory democracy, and, and I think that's why DS Africa does such wonderful work to give this voice to, to people. It's, it's trying to bridge that gap between uh, again, the, the people and those that, that represent them in the end. Um, and I mean, not just that, but public participation is enshrined in our constitutional dispensation. It's, it's part of what South Africa is supposed to be. It's part of what we, we strive, uh, to be. So, so it's, it, it's, I mean, really, really so crucial. Public participation is, is entrenched. In, in our constitution. I mean, you can just look at sections 1759, 70, 72, 115, 118. I mean, the list goes on where the constitution talks about the public should be involved in the decision making because in the end of the day, uh, the, the people, the representatives, government, the state, they're only mandated and empowered to do what they do because they receive that mandate from the people. And we should never forget that. We, 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 you know, government tends to become this far off abstract concept and, and, you know, we sort of, we feel we're at their mercy. But I mean, it's, it's completely not true. It's, it's government can only exist if it's provided the mandate by the people. Um, and that's why public participation plays such a such a crucial role because it's it's not there to substitute elections. It's not there to substitute governmental decision making. It's there to add another voice to provide more information so that our uh, you know representatives make better and more informed decisions, and that they actually you know don't lose touch of what's going on 
you know, on the grassroots level in South Africa. So, um, public participation in South Africa is, is, uh, of the utmost importance. Um, and, you know, we, we really wouldn't be where we are today had it not been for public participation in some form or the other. Oh, definitely. That's no more evident than in the first referendum in, in 92, which, which was pretty much public, public participation and yeah. asking the public's opinion, should this happen? Should, shouldn't this happen? And, um, you know, what happens if, if, um, if government doesn't, uh, listen to the voice of the people and in fact ignores the public participation? Yeah. Is there any recourse from, from the public? Are we covered by, by uh, any bits of legislation? Do we have a, a say? Can we actually hold government to account? Mm. So, so I mean, this basically boils down to a lot of the work that, that our firm does is uh, it, South Africa has a really well-developed and wonderful administrative law framework where, where, where government officials are only allowed to make decisions firstly within their powers, so in other words, within what's they, what they're allowed to do in terms of legislation or some empowering provision. And then secondly, their decisions need to be rationally connected to the purpose of what they're trying to achieve with the decisions. And, it, and this is the third point where public participation comes in. It has to be supported by some sort of evidence or consideration. And this is where public participation becomes so, so important. Um, and we have, you know, a litany of cases in the constitutional court where the courts held that decision makers have to consider what the public says through the public participation process. They can't simply, it's not, you know, a, a, just a checkbox exercise. Okay. We've fulfilled our obligation to have a public participation process. They have to listen, take into account and consider what the public's views on a particular matter are. So um, if, if, if we talk about recalls, you, you're, if government takes a decision where they didn't consider what the public said, you have the you know, wide open door of reviewing that decision uh, due to a lack of rationality because the government or the decision maker did not take into account the submissions made by the public. Yeah, that's, and we've seen that all, all too often as well. So it's been, it's been a problem with, um, with PIA applications. And now I think the, the Poppy Act will also have some sort of influence there where government might not provide the evidence of, of public participation and what was actually the, what was actually the will of the, of the public. So like, luckily we, luckily we have um, some mechanisms that do actually record that yes. beforehand. So. But yeah, and, you know, back to, back to referendums there. And then, um, what is the actual difference that I often bring up between the, the difference between petitions and, and proper mm. valid public participation? But is a referendum not just seen as another petition as such? No, because it's, it's, it's something a referendum is legislatively, statutorily, um, you know, uh, uh, Provided for in our constitution and provincial legislation. So it's a sort of, you have three different types of public participation. You have the pro public participation uh, in terms of uh, uh, the referendums, like we discussed earlier. You have public participation through uh, petitions. And then lastly, you have actual public participation in the legislative process where each person's submissions are considered, you know, in their own right, where 
a petition is is it is provided for in terms of the constitution. It's section fifty six and sixty nine, if I recall. Uh, but but you're putting me on the spot here. But if I if I remember correctly, and um, there they provide for petitions to to parliament. And what what a petition in that sense is, it's basically a request from you know how many people uh, uh, sign the petition for parliament to intervene in or, or ask for they ask for assistance or redress in in those particular circumstances. So it's 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 not some it's not informing parliament. It's not uh, telling Parliament, hey, guys, look, there's this problem. Well, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's informing Parliament, telling the guys, look, it's, it's this problem. It's not actually providing you know, material for Parliament to consider when making a decision. Mm. So that's the big difference between uh, public participation in the legislative process and just writing a petition to Parliament. Exactly. And I think... We've seen that a lot with the recent amendments or proposed amendments to the Firearms Control Act, where there's a considerable amount of, of petitions being hosted, um, but they aren't considered as valid public participation. In fact, Parliament has actually said that the uh, petitions or signatures on a, on a petition will be discarded, and only the memorandum of the petition will be will be considered so even that there's a couple of petitions out there with over 250,000 signatures on it that'll still be considered as a single submission on the firearms yes. Con- control act rather yes. and if people have made comments on on that petition those comments will will be discarded and unfortunately so as I, as I said beginning of the show I always encourage people to have your say through a valid participation uh, platform or process or directly with with parliament but also sign sign the petitions or start your own petitions as it does create awareness as to to the issues that that are out there Don, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a few minutes of of closing and we'll join you after the break you are listening to dear parliament with rob hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. Hey, welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. We're chatting today with Daniel Eloff, who's a partner at Hertus Peace Legal Firm, about the uh, differences between referendums, petitions, valid public participation, and the amendments to the uh, Referendums Act, which has just been proposed in in Parliament. Donny, we've got a few minutes here to to close off and, and have a say. Do you what do you feel, in your opinion, is is some uh, considerably pressing issue that the public should be aware of and get involved in? Say at the well, sure. The, 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 <laughs> we, we're saving the biggest biggest topic for 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 last because I think we can talk about this for for the entire afternoon. I mean, Very true. <laughs> if, if you just think about EWC, the NHI prescribed assets, those are already enough to keep us busy the whole day. But at the moment, when, when you talk about things that are actually open for public participation, where people can, you know, make their voices heard, uh, I definitely say the firearms amendment bill is, is a massive, massive, um, opportunity for, for the South African public to get active and get involved. Uh, you don't even have to be a firearm owner to to realize how super important um, this 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 process is. As uh, so, you know, South Africa is 
I mean, if you can just put it frankly, a crime-ridden country, and it just makes absolutely no sense to disarm the very people who actually have legal firearms. It's it's like there's the famous uh, Western writer, Louis Lamour, and he uh, usually wrote in his books, if guns were outlawed, only outlaws would have guns. And yeah. I don't think you get a more apt uh, description of what would happen in South Africa if this firearm amendment goes through. So that would be the one. And then the other, which uh, the public participation process recently closed, but there'll undoubtedly be another opportunity, is the amendment to the Perpuda Bill. The Perpuda Bill is the promotion of uh, Equality and Unfair Discrimination Act. And why I think that's so important is, as the amendment bill currently reads, it basically allows government to dictate what is acceptable speech and not. It's it's really a massive infringement of each and every individual's right to freedom of expression. Um, and the, a lot of people have already made their voices heard. There was a great response to the public participation process. Um, and, and what was interesting about the Papuda amendment is we didn't just see, you know, the, the normal culprits, uh, you know, your Dear South Africa's and AFI forums and the IRR and those organizations who submitted um submissions, but you actually saw the the religious community in South Africa really stand up and, and you know, make submissions and partake in this process, which I think was was excellent and it, it was really needed. We need those leaders, we need religious leaders in communities to be involved in politics, because uh, as at least how I view it as, as a, a religious person myself, is uh, politics is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from religion in the end of the day. So we need our religious leaders to be involved and to make their voices heard. And uh, that was great to see with the recent Perfuda Amendment Bill that they did. Absolutely, it was. It was a fantastic response from from all sectors of society. And that's, if it, that's actually two bills, the Firearm Control Amendment Act and the Reputer Amendment Bill that have almost brought different sectors of, of society together in, in unity. It's, yes. it's, one, it's wonderful to see that people are, well, the public in general is waking up to um, re- sort of resisting uh, laws that tell us how we should live our lives rather mm. than rather than laws that um, uh, tell us what laws to break and 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 so on it's quite hard to describe that but when there's that, that kind of shifting government to where it's becoming more uh, totalitarian and controlling we we need to take take absolutely a uh, considerable amount of caution and definitely have have our say in, in that Donnie, it's been an absolute wonderful uh, chat with you as usual, and we'll definitely make a, another session session out of this to cover the many topics that that are going to be coming up and and so on. And I really thank you for your time. Uh, as always, it was a wonderful pleasure, and I'll hopefully see you soon.